Welcome to the How Did They Do It Real Estate Podcast. Have you ever wondered how people succeed in real estate and what steps they took to get there? If so, this podcast is for you. Your hosts, Sayla and Eileen Prack, interview top experts in the real estate community to share with you their real estate journey and how they achieved massive success. Our goal is to provide you with valuable real estate resources and to help you apply it to your own real estate goals. Thank you everyone for joining today's episode of How Did They Do It Real Estate Podcast. I am your host, Sayla Prack. Today, I am honored to have our special guest, Prap Hanu. Prap and her husband, Sunny, are the co-founders of Vital Equity, where they focus on generating passive income through real estate syndications. With 15 years of experience in real estate, ranking from land, retail, commercial office conversion, and multifamily, Prop and Sunnies are ready to help others investing in real estate as well. In addition, they are also running their dental practices, fast food franchise, and fine dining restaurant. So Prop, thank you so much for coming on to the show today. We really appreciate having you on. So how are you doing today? Thank you, Sela, for giving me this opportunity to be part of your podcast. I'm doing very well. Awesome. How about you? I'm doing good here. It's very sunny in California. And I don't know, you are located in New York. So how is that doing over there? New York is actually, we had pretty good days, uh, very little days of snow. So it's been pretty good. It's awesome. Just looking forward to spring though. <laughs> <laughs> so Prab, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and what you do with real estate and how did you get started? Uh, yes. Of course. So we started our dental practices. It was our actually first practice. We bought the office building. So we did start getting some advantages of owning a real estate with along with the practice. But, you know, at the end of the year, when you are have a gross income, you still pay a huge amount of taxes because you come up in a tax bracket, which is higher. So it kind of got into interested into coming up with other means and I, you know, of generating income because we thought that, okay, if owning this property, we can get these many tax deductions. If we do repeat the same thing, but a different asset, we can get the same advantages. So that's how kind of we started with buying the land and buying the franchise. And we started with that. That is our first journey into real estate. Got it. Got it. So tell us a little bit more. Where are you from originally? Are you the first generation here in the U.S.? Yes, I am. I am from Amritsar, Punjab, India. We migrated actually with my family. I was finished high school in India to California. Oh. That's how we started there. And then once I married my husband, he is a dentist. So he got admission at NYU. So that's how we moved to the East Coast. Got it. So after you moved to the East Coast, and then tell us a little bit more. So are you always interested in real estate to begin with? Or how is your journey started? Are you like working W-2? And then how does it work? He went to NYU for his dental. And I did my computer engineering degree from Rutgers. Mm -hmm. And once we actually graduated at the same year, after the graduation, the thing was, okay, find a job, because that's how your mindset is. You go to college, you get a degree, and then you give, you find it, you get yourself a job. Once you have a job, then you need to figure out, okay, now we have to pay the loans. And so mm. that's kind of how the journey started. I don't think the real estate was in the mind at the time of when we graduated. Mm-hmm. But I 
did not see myself in the IT. I did a month of internship for a, a communication company, and mm-hmm. I didn't see myself that I can be behind the computer, be in this strict eight to five hour job. I definitely did not see me as passionate about it or as growing in that field, though. Got it. So that's how you and your husband decided to. When did you guys decide to open your own practice and um, taking that risk? Sure. So he got his first job offer in Ithaca, Ithaca, mm-hmm. New York, where Cornell is. I'm sure everyone is familiar with that. After six months of uh, being in the job, we were and I was a stay home mom because we only had a one car at that time, and uh, Sunny used to take that to work, and I have my. Our first child, our daughter Mahat, only five months at that time, and uh, to do anything, to go to the groceries, to go anything, it'll be like her and my and the stroller. To the point where, like, I don't think this is working out for us. I don't see that. I'm not a person who can stay home. Although, I mean, I love my daughter to that, but still, it wasn't giving me a motive on. That this is not the life I want. So, and same thing for my husband. That okay, well, he leave in the morning and not come till like six or seven, Monday through Saturday, sometime half a days. So, what is the quality of going to school and taking all those loans? And is this the cycle we are going to work? So, one of the reason that kind of motivated or geared us toward, hey, let's look for a practice. And it's a rural area. It was not. A big risk for us to take. It was something that we could. Hey, if we fail on it, we can handle it. It it was something mm-hmm. that wasn't a larger amount of loan or mortgage. And so Sunny and I talked about it, and he, I still remember him saying, "Hey, I have full confidence in my clinical skills, and I know you can do the customer service because going to school, I did work for AT and T in their mm-hmm. international communication." So he said, "You, I know you can do that." So that's how we kind of took that risk. About our first practice, hundred and twenty-five thousand dollars at that time, building just few equipment there because the family was trying to sell everything. The practice was closed for about two years. So that's how we said, "Okay, we can do it. Let's just do it." And that completely within a six months it changed our life. Amazing. Um, just from. The day we opened, it was just him and me. We didn't have money to hire an employee to help us with anything. And within, I think, two to three months, we had another person working at the front desk for us, another assistant. So we started growing. But that always been our first place where we started and kind of started our growth. Oh, that's amazing journeys that you guys are starting out like that, like uh, coming from. India s as a first uh, generations and like uh, it's a little bit of a culture shock as right. well in the U.S. and then uh, working like as a family, starting a family office. No, not family office. I mean uh, your office, your practice. Right. And right. then, so tell us a little bit more. So what's after then? How do you get introduced to other real estates? I know as I read your bios, you. Guys were doing a lot of things, including retail, commercial offices, and even multi-family. So, how did you get to learn all those and the opportunity to work on the, all those asset classes? I think if you take risk in life, the reward is always there. But the risk has to be something that if you're, as long as you're ready to commit to it, and mm-hmm. you know that you're not afraid about putting hard work mm-hmm. into it, and then there is no job smaller or bigger. 
I think those are the few things. If you have a strong passion about something, if you feel you can do it, those things do help you to achieve if you set your mind to it. So like I said, I think that's the reason we started on the purchasing the land and building a restaurant, a franchise on it was to look, the reason was basically to bring in another stream of money, plus mm. get the tax deductions from owning, Business. from the building depreciations and land, and actually most from the building depreciation. So that's how we started. Like I said, Cortland is a rural area. That's where we started from. But then we didn't see ourselves that that's where we are can grow our family and our kids can have the education that we are looking for. So we moved to Binghamton. That's mm-hmm. in upstate New York too. So we started our second practice location there, bought a building again, because that concept was always there that we're not going to rent. We're not going to rent a building because mm-hmm. then it's not yours. Mm-hmm. Whatever add-ons you do, it's not yours. So still same concept, collect, saved enough money to buy another property. And then again, I think every three, four years, okay, save another money, you know, money again, and then repeat the same concept again, because at the end of the day, it's like, okay, how we can pay the loans, we mm-hmm. want not have any debt on us. And that was another mindset coming from our culture is not borrow so much mm-hmm. that you cannot pay loan is not a good thing to have. Debt is not a good thing to have. So borrow what you can pay back. But Added on the restaurant actually, I think was the a little bit of mind shift from there that it required it was not a one job. We created ourselves multiple jobs. Mm-hmm. And that's how we started our shift from we still own the restaurants, but we are trying to get out to change the gear a little bit and see if we can change them to something more passive mm-hmm. than being part of the running the business side. Got it. I started buying into the single family homes again because whatever money we saved, hey, we have enough to buy this. Mm-hmm. Right. And then I think the whole shift in from single to multifamily was the tenant was gone for my single home for a few months. And I'm like, okay, now the taxes are there. We're still paying the insurance, but there is no income. So that's how I got into the multifamily. But at the same time, it was only, you know, smaller units because we didn't see ourselves that when can we accumulate so much to get a bigger property. Mm -hmm. Then one of the conferences I went last year, it was a dental conference and I get to speak with another dentist and she started talking about how she just became a co-GP in a 200 unit. And I got my curiosity because I'm like, hey, I do the real estate. How can you get 200? I mean, you need the whole big amount of money to do that large of a deal. Right. Um, so she told me about uh, Brad Samrock's program. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I searched right away. I'm like, okay, I'm looking into it. I need to find out how she can do it. I can do it. So that's how kind of the journey started that 16 is not what I want to be. 20 units is not where I want to be. I can do more. I can definitely should look into doing larger because, again, when you do a larger investment or larger multifamily, your expenses get divided. So that kind of what really intrigued me, the whole fascination about the leverage, the syndication, those amazing, amazing stuff to learn 
that because I always used to think who owns these big apartment buildings. Right. I never knew that they are owned by people like us. Right. So then I became uh, part of BAS, his mentorship program. And I still go to Brad's conferences. I attend those, listen to podcasts. And I find that this is a big, it's a niche that can be definitely be done with someone who doesn't have to have a large capital. We love hosting this show. When we started this podcast, we were doing all the editing and post-production ourselves. Now, we are very excited to have this particular company as a partner of the show to do all the post-production for us because it gives us the freedom to focus on the two things we care about, serving you, our listener, at a higher level and growing our own multifamily business. If you are like Sayla and me, then you want to add value to others while scaling your business. A podcast is the best way to do both, and we invite you to contact Adam Adams. He can help you launch your podcast, market your show for more listeners, and take all the post-production off your plate so you can focus on your business instead of in it. Listeners of this show can get a free consultation with Adam. To schedule your free consultation, find the link in the show notes. Got it. I love it. Thank you so much for sharing your journey along the way, how you get started with a single family home. And then you move into a six, you mentioned about 16, 20 units, multi-family. And it, it's really amazing journeys. Do you think that for like someone who just wanted to start like that, do you recommend it that they start it small, like follow your journeys where you can buy everything on your own? Or what would you say? I think if you want to do small, that just if you are still passionate, hey, I want to look at this property every day on my way to work. Mm -hmm. But I would not start, if I have to go back and start all over again, I would definitely go for a larger property. Got it. And perhaps also it's like with the larger properties. And are you part of a GP now or are you purchasing your multifamilies, right? A larger one now. Can you share a little bit about your first syndication? Yes, I became a GP. Again, when I was talking to other people, they're like, oh, yeah, you do have experience, but how are you going to raise capital as a first time syndicating? I said, but I now I do not want to be an LP. I have 15 plus years experience. I am going to start it. This is my first one in 80 unit townhouses, but I said, I'll be a GP. Mm-hmm. So that's how I started my journey as GP. I raised capital. And I became a GP in my first deal. This year, I am looking at few of the deals. I think for the second quarter, I still would like to be do at least uh, one or two more deals as a GP, mm-hmm. co-GP, to gain more experience. Because being a GP, we're like have weekly calls, learning a lot on how the asset management work. So there are other part of the multifamily that you don't learn when you're just doing single or smaller units. So I think definitely having experience is really important to you and not just rush into buying your first deal because you have so much of experience because you're putting your money, you're putting your investors' money. So I definitely will go for another co-GP in the next quarter. We're working on it. So for our listeners, GP usually means general partnership. So yeah. when we're purchasing a larger apartments complex in, for example, like 200 units or 300 units, it usually it's a big team that like taking down these units. Right. It's not just one person that just going in, mm-hmm. like buying a single family home where you go get a mortgage 
just one person right. based on your salaries and how much you can afford and all that. It's all combined with the teams together. So do you say it's like now in 2023, how do you feel about investors' perspective in terms of investing in multifamily? When you talk to them, what do they say to you? People always have a hesitation. I'm not sure why they don't hesitate when they're keeping their money in the bank saving account or they invest in stocks. I'm not sure what the reason is behind that. My husband does that too. He does invest in stocks. I'm not denying that fact. But even though you do not know, you know, you know who owns the company, but you do not know who's manipulating these numbers or who's doing these Mm -hmm. numbers. But you have to present them the strong data. Invest in the location. Location is the most important thing. Show them the growth that's happening in the location you are purchasing Mm -hmm. in. Because I'm a true believer that if you show them the data, this is the reason. Why do you pick this market? Give them the data on how the renter's market is changing. You know, it's not from homeowners to the growth in the renter market is going up. Mm-hmm. How the interest rate, the second question that I usually get, oh, the real estate is going down. The interest rate went up. And I always go back and say, the real estate is going down, but it's single homes. People who want to buy home are not buying homes because the real estate is up. But at the same time, if the interest rates are going up, people are not buying homes. Guess where they are staying? Apartment. They're staying in the apartments, right? right? So then you have a people who are going to stay in apartments longer than that they can have their own home. So I think once you kind of touch on those areas, mm-hmm. and if you show them their growth, So, you know, looking at us, okay, this is our growth horizon. This is where we are, where we started from. Hey, this is how much we have grown from just doing, using our own money to invest from last year, just from learning from investing in multifamily. Our net growth from just in last year grown from, hey, 5 million. It's not maybe a large number, but it's a large number to us because if you are just a physician or a dentist, the four, five million growth doesn't happen in a year. So I think just connecting with your investors is a big thing. Show them what you have done. Show them where you are. Once they see it, I think they do trust you. Okay. Yeah. And also one of the things like it's awesome that you mentioned about stock and real estate. Like I have family members who has no hesitation whatsoever just to click on a button and buy stuff on Robinhood (laughs) and know nothing about it. Just Uh, hearing somebody say something on the internet, right? right? Mm -hmm. So also investing in real estate, there's a lot of mindset shift. And Mm -hmm. sometimes it takes a while for someone to understand what's going on with the real estate market and be ready to invest. So Mm -hmm. what are some of the things that you do to educate the investors to making sure that they're getting ready? Right now, like I said, I just started it doing it last year. I had to experience myself that this is something that's great that mm-hmm. can be done before I can have a database of investors. And the investor relationships only develop if you start going to the conferences and presenting yourself as a real estate syndicator. For all the time that I go to a conference, I've always said, hey, I am a business manager for dental practices. I never introduced myself as saying, hey, I'm a real estate investor. So right now is where I am changing my mindset to being 
the business manager to a real estate investor, building my database, connecting with people, building my website. And then the next thing I have is working on webinars so I can educate, I can bring people on board. So I have work in progress. And that is the reason, another reason that when you said about the deal, yeah, I'm not there yet because I first need to find a team because you agree syndication is not one person job. You need a company of other people. You need partnership of other people you can get along with. Mm-hmm. It takes time. It right. takes time to build up the relationship and it takes time to build a team that you can work with. Right. And um, also you and your husband's also doing in the fast food industry and also owning a fine dining restaurant as well. What's going on on that side? Was that your passions to be in a food side? So tell us a little bit about that. I think the food was only because you see, okay, oh, this is where the money is. Everybody needs to eat. So I think that's how we came up with the fast food concept. The Indian fine dine was my passion, actually, that I wanted to have a place where it's not a typical Indian restaurant you go to. So it was born out of our passion, actually, to have a finer way of presenting Indian food, pairing it with the right wines, having a bar set up with the smaller tapas style menu. Mm -hmm. Uh, So the concept was totally different than just an Indian restaurant. The food, of course, the flavors were Indian flavors. I actually sold that to our chef. Our chef bought it from us when I had my youngest child, my son, Farman, because I was really heavily involved in that day-to-day operations. And I did not think that this is something I can handle. And I'm so happy that he took over and is running it right now. So yeah, that one I do not presently own. Got it. Got it. Thank you so much for clarifying that. So prop, you know, like as a moms and children's and having a business to run and also is doing multifamily as well and owning multiple properties or like how do you balance your life and your personal life and your business life? Is there any tips that you can share with our listeners, with our moms that listening to the shows right now that this they can do this? What is it that you do? I think you have to make sure that you change your hat where you are. I think that's the one advice I will give. When I'm at the business, I'm in a different, my whole look, I mean, just, not the how I dress up, but how I am with people is totally different when I come home. And from there, when I'm with my family, it's different. When I'm my kids, I have to come to their level. I cannot just be in a level that, hey, I'm running all this and I'm here and I'm a boss. So I think definitely is doable. You need to have your partner who really believe in your passion and support you. It's very, very important. One person cannot just achieve. So you definitely need to have a good balance at home, a good partner, a partner who really supports you through your journey to make sure that you have a legacy. You want to do, if you have a passion for something, if you want to have a legacy, you can do it. My kids are very supportive of me, what I'm doing. They support us. They are very proud of us, what we have done and achieved. And we've always taken time off for them. They have always been our priority. 
even though we know about the real estate investment, even though we know how much you can make, education is still a part of our household. You need to have a good education. You need to have a great education. And you still can do everything else on that after you have your education. And most important for the moms, actually, I am, which I never thought that I'll be able to do. So my goal is to be able to teach other mothers or women who are not entrepreneurs on how they can do it. So actually, I am working with three women right now. They have helped me through raising my kids. So they're not some wealthy women. But I said, hey, you've been there with me, raise my family, my kids. So I'm actually working and teaching them on how we can do different things so they can have their own own journey, own passion, and own business. That's amazing. I can see your passions and you really wanted to help others as well. So Prab, really appreciate you coming on to the shows today and talking to me about your journeys and what you're accomplishing so far and what's your goal in trying to help others to invest in real estate as well. So if our listener uh, wanted to find out more about you and wanted to connect with you and learn more about your company and getting to know you better, where can they go? Right now, like I said, my website is on because all the other real estates that I own are on their own LLC. I never thought that I'll have one day my own investment company. So I am working on building up a website. But in the meantime, the best way to connect with me is a PR. I kept it really simple, PR at vitalequityinvestments.com. Thank you so much, Prav. Thank you for your time. Thank you so much. Please say thanks to Aline. She spent a good enough time with me just to know about me. So if you can please thank her for me. Yes, definitely. Will do. Thank you so much, Prab. Thank you. I look forward in future if we will connect again. Definitely. All right. Thank you. And thank you for listening to our podcast today, brought to you by Bonavest Capital. We would really appreciate it if you can go to iTunes right now and leave a rating and written review. Also, please don't forget to subscribe so you can always get the latest episodes. You can also connect with us on Facebook, How Did They Do It Real Estate? We'd love to hear your feedback and any topics that you're interested in for future episodes. If you're anything like Zayla and me and believe that real estate investing is a great way to create passive income and build long-term wealth, check out our free apartment syndication due diligence checklist for passive investors at bonavestcapital.com forward slash checklist. Zayla and I created this checklist for ourselves as we evaluated different multifamily syndication opportunities as a passive investor. So we would love to share it with you so you can use it as a resource as well. Download your free copy today at bonavestcapital.com forward slash checklist. Lastly, to learn more about us, you can go to bonavestcapital.com and fill out the contact us page so you can speak to us directly. Nothing on the show should be considered as specific personal advice. Please consult your legal, tax, and real estate professionals for individualized advice.